Section 18 of The Red Lamp by Murray Roberts Reinhardt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Conclusion, Chapter 2. In recording the events leading up to the amazing denouement that night, the details of the seance, I am under certain difficulties. Thus, I kept no notes. For the first time, I found myself a part of the circle, sitting between Livingston and Jane, and with Cameron near the lamp, prepared to make the notes of what should occur. Of course, he said as we took our places. We are not observing the usual precautions of what I would call a test seance. All we are attempting to do is to reproduce as nearly as possible the conditions existing at the other two sittings. And, he glanced at me and smiled, if Mr. Porter's admission to the circle proves to be disturbing, we can eliminate him. He asked us to remain quiet, no matter what happened, and to be certain that no hand was freed without an immediate statement to that effect. Not that I expect fraud, of course, he added but it is customary under the circumstances. I am quite certain that nobody except myself saw Halliday touch the bell as the light was reduced to the faint glow of the red lamp. It was not surprising, I dare say, that beyond certain movements of the table and fine wraps on its surface, we got nothing at first. In fact, that we got anything at all was probably due solely to Jane's ignorance of the underlying situation. Livingston, next to me, was so nervous that his hands twitched on the table. Across... Halliday was beside Hayward, and as my eyes grew accustomed to the semi-darkness, I could see him, forbidden recourse to his fingers, jerking his head savagely. And for the life of me, I could not see where all this was leading us. A breaking of the circle was, by Cameron's order, immediately to be announced. Even in complete darkness, when that came, as I felt it would, what was it that Halliday expected to happen? But the table continued to move. It began to slide along the carpet. My grasp on Livingston's hand was relaxed, and indeed, later, as it began to rock violently, it was all I could do to retain contact with the table at all. I began to see possibilities in this, but when it had quieted, the circle remained as before. Very soon after that came the signal for darkness, and Kimberon extinguished the lamp. Soon Edith, near the cabinet, said the curtain had come out into the room, and was touching her. The next moment, as before, the bell fell from the stand inside the cabinet, and the guitar strings were lightly touched. Without warning, Cameron turned on the lamp. The curtain subsided and all sounds ceased. He was apparently satisfied, and after a few moments of experiment with the lamp on, resulting only in a creaking and knocking on the table, again extinguished it. On a repetition of the blowing out of the curtain, however, he left his chair for the first time, and with a pocket flash examined the cabinet thoroughly, even the wall coming in for close inspection. What he had finished with that, however, I sensed a change in him. I believe now that he suspected fraud, but I am not certain. He said rather sharply that he was there in good faith, and not to provide an evening's amusement, and that he hoped any suspicious movement would be reported. This is not a game, he said shortly. Jane was very quiet, and now I heard again the heavy breathing which I knew preceded the trance condition, or that auto hypnotism which we know as trance. How is that? Cameron asked in a low tone. Mrs. Porter, Halliday said. Quiet, everybody. The room was completely dark, and save for Jane's heavy breathing, entirely quiet. Strangely enough, for the moment I forgot our purpose there, forgot Greeno and his men, scattered through the house, I had a premonition, if I may call it that, that we were on the verge of some tremendous psychic experience. I cannot explain it. I do not know now what unseen forces were gathered there together. I even admit that probably I too, like Jane, had hypnotized myself. And then two things were happening, and at the same time. There was something moving in the library, a soft footfall with, it seemed to me, an irregularity, for all the world like the dragging of a partially useless foot, and, 
Livingston was quietly releasing his grip of my hand. I made a clutch at him, and he whispered savagely, Let go, you fool. The next moment he had drawn his revolver, and was stealthily getting to his feet. The dragging foot moved out into the hall. Livingston, revolver in hand, was standing beside me, and there was a quiet movement across the table. Cameron was apparently listening also. He made no comment, however, and in the darkness and the silence the footsteps went into the hall and there ceased. I had no idea of the passage of time. Ten seconds or an hour Livingston may have stood beside me. Ten seconds or an hour, and then Greeno's voice at the top of the staircase. All right, careful below. Livingston moved then. He made a wild dash for the red lamp and turned it on. Hayward was not to be seen, and Halliday, revolver in hand, was starting for the cabinet. More light, he called. Light, quick. I had a confused impression of Halliday, jerking the curtains of the cabinet aside, of somebody else there with him, both on guard, as it were, at the wall, of some sort of rapid movement upstairs, of the door from the den into the hall being opened where it had been closed before, and of a crash somewhere not far away, as of a falling body, followed by a sort of dreadful pause. And all this in the time it took me to get around the chairs and to the wall switch near the door. And it was then, in the shocked silence which followed the sound of that fall, in the instant between my finding the switch and turning it on, that I will swear that I saw once more by the glow of the red lamp the figure at the foot of the stairs, looking up. Saw it and recognized it. Watched it turn toward me with fixed and staring eyes. Felt the cold wind which suddenly eddied about me, and, frantically turning on the light, saw it fade like smoke into the empty air. Behind the curtains of the cabinet, somebody was working at the wall. Edith, very pale, was supporting Jane, who still remained in her strange auto-hypnotic condition. Livingston's arm was about his wife. And this was the picture when Greeno came running triumphantly down the stairs, the reward apparently in his pocket, and saw us there. He paid no attention to the rest of us, but stared at Livingston with eyes which could not believe what they saw. Good God, he said. Then how's in there? He pointed to the wall behind the cabinet. End of section 18